We are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me this week, you already know, it's the one and only Mr. Kevin Darso. How are you, bud? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's, it's weird to be back after only a week off, but uh, we figured there was enough news. It's kind of the heart of the off season. We, we had to come back just a week later to, to catch everybody up. This was preparation. That's what this was, because we, we looked at the week before and went, it can't be busier than the week before, but we don't want to take our chances. Yep. And if, if you're from my family, you know what the six P's stand for. Prior planning prevents piss poor performance. <laughs> and that's nice. why we're back today. Maybe that's the title of the podcast. We talked we, we talked I a little know, bit but... talked a little bit off the air. Maybe maybe we call the podcast the six P's. Cause uh Chuck sure had some prior okay. planning this summer. I was I was gonna say it, it better be shorter than what you just said because no. that's a long title. We don't No, do that's title. a long title. We don't do titles that long. Um, no, we're not, no. <laughs> but uh, we do have a lot to talk about today. It's episode number 121. I know I don't normally say the title off the top, but I don't know. Maybe I'll try it. You don't say what number normally, but eh. <laughs> you, you know what? It's it, We're doing different things because... It's the summer. No, not I was going to say because clearly Chuck Fletcher's trying to do something different, so maybe we're changing it up too. Well, is he doing things different or does he just keep signing people from Boston College? <laughs> um so let's well, let's, you know what, let's well, dive into on. this let's dive right into this the thing i'm the most proud of this entire summer in our group chat uh oh, when you go right when, into this aren't you yeah yep when we're talking about the signing that's currently on the screen and if you're watching on our youtube channel you can see our banner if you're listening uh we are talking about the flyer signing keith yandel which was uh, a story that broke probably about 24 hours before free agency opened that it looked like he was going to sign a deal here. And then when free yeah, it was agency what, opened, it he was did what, indeed sign the deal. It was what, Tuesday morning? Uh, all I know is spitting chiclets had it first because, spoiler alert, they might know the player. <laughs> you know <laughs> so what say. the Philadelphia Flyers can cur- currently consist of Kevin Hayes, Cam Atkinson, and Keith Yandel. Okay, hold on. For what it's For what it's worth... Keith Yandel did not go to Boston College. He's a Boston guy. That's fair. He did not go to Boston College. He played in he played in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And he's been joined at the hip with Kevin Hayes for a very that long part's time true. now. Yes, that okay. part's true. That's fair. So those three players are currently on the Philadelphia Flyers roster. Yes, they are. There's another player from Boston College who we have discussed a number of times on this show who was line <laughs> mates with Kevin Hayes, teammates with Cam Atkinson. There were a number of other players on that team. We can talk about Chris Kreider at another time. Uh, and that player, who is a free agent next summer, has one year remaining on their current deal. Right now, but I get your point. I know what you're trying to get at. I is Johnny you. Gaudreau. Okay, I'm not jumping that far right now. I need to adjust to all these other new guys first, so don't even go there with me. But I believe I referred to Hayes, Atkinson, and Yandel as the Johnny Gaudreau tampering committee. <laughs> I don't know. All right, because... I'd love to know. I'd need to know what he was would sign for, because I don't know. Again, I don't. I don't know how they're supposed to do this. How are they come supposed home, to Johnny. afford this? That's all. Come, come home, Johnny. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. We're we're gonna talk about RFA contracts later on in the show, but there are only two significant names left to sign. It's Travis Sanheim and Carter Hart. Flyers are currently sitting on about eight and a half million dollars, uh, or about eight million dollars in cap space. I'm sorry. <laughs> actually actually it's, it's actually closer to nine in reality okay uh and that is not undoable if 
you think about the fact that Calgary might be taking a little bit of a retool this year. Who knows what's going on in Calgary? Add that to the fact that they can retain on a salary for half a year. I don't know. You can get Johnny Gaudreau's number down to a pretty manageable level, especially by the trade deadline. Well, maybe. I don't know. I, I <laughs> Come home, Johnny. You're 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 going in a direction I didn't plan to go right now. Um, <laughs> listen, now when they well, signed Keith Yandel, it's the first thing I thought of. I understand that, but here's the thing. Keith Yandel is a one-year deal, so I'm not exactly looking at Keith Yandel beyond next season. Fair enough. I, the other two, you got a point. Kevin Hayes, Cam Atkinson, this is minimum four years together. Yep, there's you some know. dedication to this little group. I get that one. That one, you want to sit there and say the writing's on the wall? All right, I, I, and not only that, but okay, fine. You want to sit there and say something about that? Clearly, Kevin Hayes has played, I'm going to recruit all my friends. I mean, that's pretty obvious at this point. It, it, wor- it works in the NBA. Why shouldn't it work in the NHL? <laughs> I guess I don't know. I mean, here, look. Here's the thing, okay? Because Yandel's a great signing, to be honest. Let's 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 not sugarcoat that. It's a great signing because at the what, number, yeah. What's well because what's the risk exactly? What's None. the risk at that number? It's a year for nine hundred thousand yep. dollars. Are you kidding? And it, literally, I've been calling it all week. It's an insurance policy. Absolutely. This is, this is flat out. I don't want to put a guy on the ice who has three games of NHL experience right away and throw him to the wolves. So. He gets to go play 25 minutes a night, maybe, in the minors. And then when he's ready, you call him up and somebody's going to move aside. It might be Yandel. It might be Justin Braun. It doesn't make a difference. I don't care which one moves aside. Someone's going to move aside when he's ready. And it might be middle of the year. It might be next season altogether. I, it, I don't know, but it no. doesn't really make a difference to me. So we all, we all know hockey is a bit of an old boys club. And there's a lot of tradition and a lot of you know pride in the game. Is that fair? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Does Keith Yandel keep a roster spot longer than he should because of the Ironman streak? No, I don't think so. Because it's not much more than half the year anyway. I think that they want... One of the big issues that Cam York went through last year is... Let's put it this way. Before he could... earn, I want to say not completely before, but what did they have? Four or five games at Michigan before it's you're off to World Juniors? Then he plays in World Juniors, you come back... And the rest of that schedule was crazy because I think they were on again, off again. This is on. Nope. Now this game's canceled. Now this is this. He might have played 20 some odd games at most before his season was over. And it's you're off to the minors. And then in the minors, they didn't know what to do with them because the team was so bad that, that, that it was literally if he started to impress within five games at the minors, it was come on up and you've, get, you've got a chance, you know, and they. Literally because of the fact that nothing mattered for the final three games said you can play at the NHL level for the final three games because why the hell not? Because right. we don't have anything to lose at this point. So I don't think that he's complete. Like, I don't, I don't want to say it's that he's not completely ready. He could be training and look like he's ready, and maybe he comes in and does push for a spot in camp. Right. That's he has not a really good worry. season, a preseason. I could see him right. being a very, very late cut. Let's put it that way. Right. That's not my worry, though, because... I, you can already see what they want to do. And what they want to do is they don't want to have a 22-year-old or 23-year-old have to have more on his plate than he can handle or than they think he can handle because he's that young. I mean, literally, this is it, it's not the same situation, but it's Phil Myers all over again because they gave Phil Myers that shot, and look where Phil Myers is today. You know, Phil Myers Nashville. is in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, but I'm actually more worried about 
the opposite of that. I'm worried about him kind of being penned in there too long and, and Yandel staying on that third line even when he might not necessarily be producing just because of the streak. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't want him to be in the lineup if he's bad just because the hockey men's right. like, you know, he's got this streak going and you can't, you know, you can't scratch the guy. And I get that. I think you know what? That's not Chuck Fletcher's problem. Right now, see everything we talk about right now is what did Chuck Fletcher do to do anything to improve the team, make the team right. better, change up everything from last year. Well, that's going to be Alan Vigneault's problem. Right. right. Literally what has happened is, and I remember saying this earlier in the week on 973 when I went on on I guess it was either Monday or Tuesday to talk about some stuff. It was You've made your bet. You, look, there's been a lot of betting going on. Let's let's be clear. There's bets on players. There's bets on players who are already here turning it around from last year. Like, I'm not going to make a Evander Kane joke. I'm not going to make an Evander Kane joke. I'm not going to make an Evander Kane joke. We're not talking about him anyway. He's not a flyer. I know, but there's been a lot of bets made. You're not wrong. I always, I, I know, but I'd like, well, I'd love when I get asked questions about players that are not in Philadelphia, like as if I, like as if I really know Infinitely them. Cover every team. Right. Well, right. Look, I understand what his reputation is. Don't get me wrong, but that's a, that's a story for another time. We're not here to talk about Evander King. We're certainly not. Anyway, no, they're making bets. We get that, but maybe outside of and we're outside of the other biggest bet that there is out there, which we're going to get into in probably about five more minutes when we switch to the next signing that happened. Yep. The biggest bet is actually on your coaching staff because you're, you're basically backing the whole coaching staff. You're sitting here saying it's basically like you're almost saying it's not, it wasn't you. Now that's not entirely true. And I think that they can agree. The coaching staff shoulders part of the blame for what happened last season, no matter how you want to spin it. I get it. They didn't have practice time. They didn't have this. They didn't have that. Doesn't matter to me. It does not matter at all. You did not perform to expectations. It's a complete organization-wide issue. Right. That was that. That's clear. But you're two years in with this coaching staff. You had one really good year where you looked like you could go pretty far, and you almost did. I mean, you were one win away from being one of the final four teams left. Let's be real. Yep. And then you had this past year, which was the total opposite. Expectations were great coming in. Maybe they were too high because of the fact that you didn't. You Clearly, know, they were too well, high given the result. <laughs> well, uh, it's the result made it too high, but maybe it was too high because of the fact that we all sat there and said, "Phil Myers is taking a big step. Look at yep. what Travis Konechny's done. Look at what you know." Cut our hearts done. Well, yeah, but look at what some of these other guys too. Like we were talking about anybody. I mean, Joel Farabee was the only one who we looked at who was a younger guy who actually took the step. We, Nobody we talked else about did. it all season long. Joel Farabee was the only young player that looked good. JVR was the only older player that looked good. The rest well, of the team pretty much suffered. I would I would argue that at times, Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier gave you what you expect. That's fair. The, the problem is is that at Claude Giroux's age, you can't sit there and say every night, be that guy. You, you just can't expect can't. that out of him. Right. You can't do that to him anymore. Now, now here's the thing. You want to watch, like, and it's too early to tell. That's part of the problem. We can sit here and do this, and we, we probably will. I mean, as we're sitting here doing this, it's officially August. It is August 1st as we sit here doing this. And that means that we realistically have probably about six weeks until training camp starts, roughly. Preseason starts at the end of September. We know this. So before they play a game, we're going to have 
six two more weeks, weeks of camp. Well, yeah. two weeks of camp. So we're gonna have six weeks until training camp, probably. Roughly, yeah. Right. So like, which roughly. is kind of exciting. I'm not gonna lie. Oh sure, it, it should be because, and it, it should be for one re- one big reason. Because in addition to the entire show that we had last week, where we talked about, hey, they did this, and they did this, and they did this, and they did this, and this guy's not here anymore, and this guy's not here, and this is a new face. Like, how many new and exciting? Like, it, it's the Christmas morning feeling, right? You go down, it's a bunch of new toys that go with the ones you already have, right? Oh, I mean, well, and then there's Nate Thompson, but we'll talk about him. Nate Thompson's a different story, though. I agree with some stuff that was said about Nate Thompson to an extent. I, like, I know. That, that uh, but, one comes down to something different, but we'll get to that too. But here's actually, but, it's, Nate Thompson ties into this conversation because, again, it's the coaching staff. It's your utilization right. of what you do with the practice time, what you do with the players you have, finding the right fits. Like, that's half of the mix problem, right? The mix what? isn't just, hey, I don't have a bu- like I have a bunch of players that don't seem like they want to play for each other and play as a unit. It's the coaching staff is sitting here like, why was you know, you can take your pick on a couple of different guys, but why was this guy up or why was that guy up? You know what I mean? Like because at the end of the year, Elaine Vigneault sat there and went, I'm just trying to put anything out there that I think is gonna work. He was literally almost throwing stuff at the wall, going, Is this gonna work? Is this gonna change something? Like like it's like when they bring in a bunch of kids like when Jackson Cates is playing games because you're going let's call him up because maybe he changes something maybe you know maybe Igor Zamula changes something let's put Cam York in because it's the end of the year here comes Wade Allison here's Tanner Lazinski all these new guys trying to come in because you're trying anything you can't like you you literally can't think of anything that makes it better so you're going let me try this and look at who you're scratching in the process it's I'm going to give you know okay Oscar Lindblom's coming back from his treatments. He might need a day. I'm giving Nolan Patrick a day. I'm pulling Aube Kubel at this point in time. Maybe I'm pulling this guy. You know, it was all over the map. I mean, he benched Travis Konechny at one point in time, I believe. He's pulling from the from the defensive side. He's pulling. It's Shane Gossesberg off this night. Nope. Now it's Robert Haig. Nope. Now it's Phil Myers. You know, like there wasn't many consistencies when it came to that lineup because it was just let's try this, let's try this, let's try this thing. You know. Yep. It was just that. That's that's half of your battle. Yeah, and and we kind of see that every year. And one thing that they did do, that Chuck Fletcher did go out and do, is he attempted to shore up some holes and get some depth. And that we saw me, some of that. That to me was, that says, this is part of where I think I was going with some of that too, is that was, is part of what was most impressive to me. You can look at and analyze every single player that's been acquired. And we certainly did last week when it was, let's talk about Ryan Ellis. Let's talk about Rasmus Ristolainen. Let's talk about Cam Atkinson. You can do that over and over and over again and decide whether or not you're on the analytics side or the hockey guy side or or a combination of both or whatever in evaluating their ability. The bottom line is you're not going to know until September, October when we start to see gameplay. Yep. That's when that's the test. There's nothing around it we can sit here and play on paper all we want to and there's arguments to both sides because I've seen people who do the on paper stuff very intently who go this guy's not that good of a player. I don't know what they're thinking. And then go, well, the wins above replacement level says there'll be this amount of points. Because I'm sure you saw that one at some point. Yeah. Like, there'll be this amount of points. And it's this high in the division. There's people like, and then there's general hockey guys who sit there and go, they've improved enough that they should be this level. Well, I, it's all well and good. But most of those guys 12 months ago were saying, or I'm sorry, in January, weird season. Uh, we're saying that they're going to be a top five team in the league and they're going to be, you know, in the final four. And sure. that's not the team we saw. So the models are great. Well, because the reality is are great. 
because the reality they get is, out there and play. Well, and exactly because the reality is is that they were what they were the season before because they got hot. You play when you start playing well, and the structure's there, and the chemistry is good, and the room is fun, and everybody's having a good time. It it snowballs the other way. Right. You get this big snowball effect that turns into look how many games in a row you're winning because of the fact that you have fun doing it. And you hit yep. and because here's the thing, let's not act like that team two years ago was that good prior to January. No, it they got hot. Right, it wasn't that good. They had they had an okay October that w- that couldn't be qualified as slow start, but couldn't be qualified as super hot either. And they were pretty they, medium, five hundred. Now they had an outstanding November. Let's not sugarcoat that. They right. ended November with the most wins they'd had in a month in franchise history, or something like that. And no, you I'll be go, honest. I'll be honest. I don't remember anything before the pandemic. This year isn't a blur. That that season is a blur for that's me. Just, that's what you have me for because uh, you're not. You're yeah. an encyclopedia. You're not wrong. Well, and I was at a lot. I was. At, I think actually at a lot. I was at all of those home games. I was at one of those home games with you, and I barely right. remember it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Because that's because that game in in all seriousness was probably as forgettable as it comes because it was against the Detroit Red it was the, Yeah, it was the Black Friday game and instead of doing 2 o'clock against the Rangers like they always do, they're like, oh, we're going to do 5 p.m. against the Detroit Red Wings. This, this season could be fun, by the way, for that because this year it's Carolina. We didn't really talk oh. about we didn't really talk about this last week. Because Carolina's gone off. full heel this offseason. Yeah, they really have changed a lot. Like, you know what? And that's one of the things. Okay, okay and this is why I'm saying you got to let this play out on paper. You've got to let, or not on paper. You got to let this play out because we can do the on paper thing forever. But I'm looking around at some of the things that these teams are doing, and I go, I don't know if you've gotten better per se. I don't you know, think Carolina's are, gotten better. Carolina's probably gotten worse because you lose Dougie. Ha- you, you lose Dougie goalies. Hamilton. You don't have goalies. You know, you well, you do, but you're real again. It's kind of a leap of faith thing. I mean, how many goalies have changed? Look. I, I thought I saw, if I'm not mistaken, I could Man, be wrong. You're trusting I don't Freddie remember. Anderson? Or um, who was the other one they signed? Anti Ranta? I mean, Anti Ranta's solid, but he's always been a tandem guy. He's been a tandem guy. And, and okay, and listen, this was one of my things because at the end of the day, I think, I, all right, well, we can, we can always come backwards. To yeah, stuff. We're let's, gonna, just go, let's just go to this one for a minute because we're talking goalies. Goal. We might as well. Yeah. Well, let me get into this for a minute because here's one of my things. This is one of the few things you can say about Martin Jones, okay? Because every goalie out there, I turned around and I said, listen, this guy is going to be like potentially, you got a guy out there. This is an upgrade to Brian Elliott. No, I'm not talking about Martin Jones. Listen. Okay. So, so all these other guys, you're going, Jonathan Bernier. Darcy Kemper, if you trade for him, who else were we thinking of? Like, there was a couple other names out there. Uh, if I had James, known Alex Nedeljkovic was available, I would well, have pushed for that. But it's hard to get that trade in the division. I understand. Not only that, but I think that the uh, the other issue with the trades was something along the lines of, um, I'm trying to think of where it would have been. Like, it, it, I think the Flyers are so active on the trade market with other things that. You just when can't that answer trade all the went, phones. I mean, let's put it this way: that trade went down, and then what? I think the other one, like one of theirs, happened right after. It was the same day. They made you four know? trades in a week. It, it could have been any of them. But I remember, I remember reading that one, and then one of the Flyers ones went down. It might have been the Goss Despair one, the same day. Okay. Like because because I, I actually think because I remember Broads texting me something, and I went to go look because he he just texted me the eyeball emoji, right? Like oh something's go, like something's going I, on. And right. I and so at first I don't even know what he's talking about. So I go over and actually the first thing I saw on Twitter was Nedeljkovic to Detroit, and I go, oh, goalie trade. That's interesting. That's weird. You don't see them that. very often. Yeah, right? you don't see that very often. Not when okay. they're twenty four and just breaking out or however old Nedeljkovic is. Right. So I go, 
all right, that one's interesting. And then I saw a goddess spirit name come up, and I went, oh, you're talking oh. about ghost. Okay, I get it. But I but I did see that. So it's something like it's how how much work would you would you like Chuck Fletcher to do at the I, same that's, time? That's fair. Right? And also, like, again, if you're if Carolina. If he's you, working you, the phones with Arizona, he's not going to be working the phones with Carolina at the same time. And if you're Carolina, you're not necessarily incentivized to trade your 24-year-old starting goaltender within your division. Especially when they already have a goaltender who the, year before, was right, right. the year before was outstanding. Let's just but if, if Nadelkovich is willing to sign a three-by-three-and-a-half bridge like he signed in Detroit, man, I would have loved to have that on my roster. So, so let me go into something about this particular signing for the Flyers that I think is – is this is my theory. This being Martin Jones, right? Yes. yes. Okay. This is my theory because I know that there's people out there that go, oh, they had so many better options. Why Martin Jones? And yeah, this I agree. makes me nervous. Okay, now, and, and listen, I've had two reactions like this the entire offseason where I sit there and I go, oh, Chuck, what are you doing? And, I, and it's not because I necessarily don't buy what they're trying to do with the player. It's because Was the first one them? Yes, because okay. and I'll tell you and I'll tell you why. Because it's nothing to do with oh, could the player bounce back? Could this happen? Could that happen? It what what's the combination from analytics to hockey, on ice stuff is or eye test whatever. It's the thing that I know is coming when I see these names. I get that way not because of the fact that I don't like it or I don't think it could work. I get, I get like that because I know what's coming on Twitter. Like I already know the reaction that's coming. Because I you know you have to watch the firestorm. <laughs> right. Because I know that now that because well and here's the other thing because this is the this is the end of July it's a long time before you get to mid September and early October when the games start happening for people to try to dissect this twenty thousand different ways about how this will work no it won't this guy sucks no he doesn't like it, it's that back and forth conversation that people have there's people who like this move there's people who don't like it and people are gonna play the on paper game for two months now to figure out whether they're better or not. And well, I, the, and and I kind of can't stand that after a while. The rough part here is that the paper game does not treat Martin Jones very well. In the last three years, no, it doesn't. And I, I listen, I didn't sugarcoat that. I went on the air the day that they signed him and literally said his numbers in the last three years have been horrific. I Awful. did not I did not lie about that at all. I understand what they're trying to do. Kim Dillabaugh was his goalie coach in L.A., things worked out in LA because that's how he became the starter in San Jose. You, you don't yep. just move on from LA as the back no, Jonathan quick and get a starter he, job and then make the cup final. What three years into your starting job. No, he was really, really good for several years. That and Martin I do Jones, and like, little, little caveat on the last three years for him because the last two years have been bad and the team's been bad in San Jose. Let's be clear. Right. Well, in the last two but, years he's had Eric Carlson and Brett Burns playing as a major defensive pair in front of him. <laughs> It's not going to do you wonders defensively. Of which, by the way, that was a point of conversation this week when we looked at some of the contracts that are out there among individual defensemen and realized that the Flyers' top pairing makes near as much as some of these guys. I mean, Eric Carlson's Carlson's making $11.5 million, and the Flyers' top pairing next year makes thirteen. And isn't Carlson's contract just like the first year? Doesn't he have like six years left on that deal? Carlson's deal and Drew Doughty's deal, deal, which are both $11 million or more. Are only in year three of eight. It's amazing. They have five years, five or six years left on those contracts, and they're it, awful contracts. It's amazing seeing what teams banked on the cap going up a little bit every year. Or that really thought, I mean, here's the thing. If you asked me, I, I'm dead serious when I look this up. If you asked me, how old is Eric Carlson? How old is Drew Doughty? I would have told you 35. They're 31. Yep. It feels like they've been but around forever. Well, because, I mean, 
Eric Carlson has been horrifically injured a couple different times. A lot of people know about that. And Drew Doughty just played so many playoff games that he's got at least two extra seasons under his belt. Like they made the playoffs, well, and made deep in, runs every year. In, like in part, but I think we also got forget miles. In part, but I think we also forget how young Doughty was when they won the cup. That's you know? true. Like That's Doughty true. was only in the league for what three years when he's already playing significant minutes and winning Stanley Cups with LA. Something like, like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it was early in his. I mean, let's this way. Who like? I think you and I have agreed on this before that the best defenseman in the league by a lot of standards is Victor Hedman. But Victor yeah. Hedman was drafted in 2009 before winning the cup in 2020. Like sometimes the journey takes a little bit before you are the best in the league. Speaking and, of, and Drew Doughty was literally being told this at year four. Speaking of best defenseman in the league, we're talking about the fact that those guys are making 11 and 11 million and 11 and 11, 11 and, and a half million. Half. How about the fact that Kale McCarr is making nine and a half for the next six or nine for the next six years, and Seth Jones is making nine and a half, and Seth were and uh, Zach Wierenski is, Zach Wierenski is making a hair over nine and a half because three or whatever. screw you, Seth Jones, I'm making more than you. You know well, that's a hundred percent what that was. Come on. Well, in fair in fairness, by the way, it it makes sense now. It, like it explains why they can't have both. Well, sure, but I hilarious. Yeah. It is hilarious to me. That he signed for a, just a hair over what Seth signed for, just a little bit more well, than what Seth can, Jones makes. Because can you? Well, because can you imagine the salary cap? Basically, especially if it doesn't move going into next year, also, because that's a possibility that, that, that Chuck Fletcher has told told us many times. They don't anticipate this thing moving for a little for like while. Two more years, right. yeah. So, well, I, I'm using it as two more seasons. So I'm saying this right. season and next, and then maybe after next season when you're you talking get some wiggle. summer right. of 2023, which, by the way, is why for anybody who sits – I saw people jumping all over him going, oh, my God, he's killed the future of this team because he's trading draft picks. Do you really care about a 2023 second-round pick that hits maybe 15% of the time, 20% of the time? No. I don't. You know, like I'm not sitting here playing the draft pick game. You did that already for seven years. Right. It's it, when you're making trades like trading for 31 year old Ryan Ellis. You're not. You don't care about that draft pick. You're you're acquiring a top pair defenseman to make I, deep playoff runs now. I love how you mentioned it with Ryan Ellis, who wasn't who did, wasn't acquired for any picks or prospects. But, but I know I, your point. But I'm talking about when you're making those moves right. in the same off season. Yeah, you're I sending know. a very I know, I clear you. message. Yeah, absolutely. If you look, we're minus Phil Myers. We're minus Nolan Patrick. Oh, we we'll do this. In a right, we've bit. done the plus and the minuses, and and you end up with maybe better players, maybe not better players. We'll talk about that later on. But overall, you do end up with older players, kind sure. of generally, and that's you're sending the message that the time to rebuild, the time to retool, is past, and it's time to start putting wins on the board well, exactly. in the playoffs. Well, because you don't have a choice anymore. Yep, so, it's time to go. So, all right, so Martin Jones. Okay, so caveat on Martin Jones' last three seasons, by the way. Okay, the last two, he's had a terrible team in front of him. He hasn't been good. San Jose's been really bad, right? Fair we, enough. We, we know this. Three years ago, though, he had an average regular season. The numbers lined up exactly with where he is now. The save percentage, in fact, has been the exact same for three years in a row. So talk about consistency. And um, what is that, by the way? 896 yeah <laughs> sub 900 <laughs> consistently yeah. garbage i get that i get that do you know what his numbers were following that season though i have to i do have to go back and look it up but in the he playoff, was spectacular well because i didn't realize this because you th like i think we sit there and look at martin jones performances 
or the overall numbers for the last three years and go, well, this just means they sucked all those years, right? And and, and if you thought about the last two years specifically, you go, yeah, yeah, San Jose probably sucked all those years, right? Turns out San Jose in the, um, I guess, 2019. Yes, I believe so. Uh, let me go back to that one really quick because I'm trying to get it, like, figure out where all this is. Why did it do that? Hockey, hockey reference, you're not treating me well. Um, Always blaming the technology. No, it really is this this for whatever reason. But well, all right, let's go to this for a minute. Because I'm, you know what? It's because I'm not looking at the team. I'm looking at the uh, player. I, I understand. Uh, okay, that this is how I get to it. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Okay, so the 2018-19 San Jose Sharks are the team that made that crazy comeback or almost blew it, I should say. Or they're not almost blew it. it made a cra- almost made a cra- made a crazy comeback against the Vegas Golden Knights in game 7 of that first right, round right, series. Right. That was the, Logan, the five power minute major, right. Yes. That was that. And w- then they went in overtime. By the way, the winner in overtime that year was future back-to-back Stanley Cup champion Barclay Gaudreau. Mm, okay. Does Barkley Goudreau have two, or did they acquire him after the first? They acquired him last oh, trade you're right. deadline. You're right. You're right. Okay, from the Sharks, right, right, right. Well, because talk about talk about change in Tampa too, and I'm not trying to get off point with the Flyer stuff, but change right. in Tampa being here's here's uh, here's Barkley Goudreau and here's Blake Coleman acquired down the stretch. Actually, yeah, down the stretch two seasons ago to make right. to go to go for it, they win. They win again with the one year remaining on the contract, and it's thank you for your services. We don't have the money to sign you, so they're both off. Yep. You know, and and playing on a line with Yanni Gord, who also got picked up by Seattle. So that whole line is gone. The whole line is moved. Yep. Quite ar- quite possibly, arguably, their best line in the final couple of games played in that series to all all in different places because Barkley you know Gaudreau's with the Rangers, Blake Coleman's going to Calgary, and... Yanni Gord's in Seattle now. And you know the most frustrating part? What's that? They're Tampa's still going to be great. Well, sure, because they made a bunch of like you can literally just clip out signings. You can just clip out their most clutch line in the you know coming down the stretch, and it just doesn't matter because they still have Steven Stamkos, uh, Braden right. Point, Nikita right. Kucherov, you, Victor Hedman, Andre well, because, Vasilevsky. Because you, <laughs> you tell you tell me that signing a guy like Corey Perry, if you can't beat him, join him. Yeah. Yeah. On that cap hit isn't going to work out for them. That it, it isn't is. going to work out because and do do you want to know? And here's the funny thing: you wanted to talk about tampering. I don't think it's really tampering. I'm I'm just making a joke here. But quest for the cup. John Cooper talked to Corey Perry for a long time, didn't he? You're I didn't abs- actually say it, but that's funny. You're an absolute warrior. And, and and then then the part that the microphones didn't get. Come play for us. Right. Come come here. Join come the to Tampa. Join the dark side. No state tax. Right. I well, he didn't. I, I don't think he had state tax anyway because he was playing in Canada. So it, it, okay, but Canadian taxes are far higher than. I have heard that players know. are a little bit more opposed to playing in Canada because of stuff like I, that. I I have heard that players with eight team no trade lists tend to list the seven Canadian teams and Buffalo. Really? Oh well, well yeah, as as the non trade because yeah. taxes and no, I'm not going to Buffalo. <laughs> So I'm not sure how true that is. I have not seen no trade clauses with my own eyes. But I tell you, I've heard that a lot of times if a player has an eight-team no-trade list, it's very specifically eight teams so that it's no Canada, no Buffalo. But that team that year, and so back to San Jose. 
So that team that year beats Vegas in the first round. They win. They move on. They right. then beat they then beat Colorado in seven. Yep. And then they get to the conference final against St. Louis. And by the way, go up two to one in the series yep. before losing the last three. And then they, they that was where they bowed out. But yeah, right. but to get an idea from Martin Jones' standpoint, you go down to Martin Jones' numbers in the regular season, strictly regular season. Now, first of all, this is going to be one key difference for him moving forward because he started He's not be starting fifty games a year. Um, try sixty-two. Yeah, that's about right. He played a lot of games in San Jose for a very long time. And here's the thing: record-wise, San Jose was a good team. Yeah. Because Martin Jones' record that year was 36, 19, and 5. Yeah, they were great. They were a good team. Now, the save percentage. But it wasn't because of him, is the, the problem. Now, the save percentage was 896, as we said. The goals against was 294, which is a little bit better than what we saw from the last season. Like, when we're. Honestly, when you, have, when you have an 896, you're pretty happy with a 294 goals against. <laughs> right. This is this is also probably right before the bubble burst with the oh Eric Carlson's here Brent Burns yep. is here, you know. It was still the good sharks. It was still well, and, and, and Marlowe well, Couture like well, the the original. Well, and by the way, look at your center group. It, Couture's part of it. Hurt part of it. it. Thornton Pavelski. Like yep. you've got some talent there that's nearing the end of the line, but at the same time, like that was that but, group's last run. Right, pretty much exactly. So in the playoffs, Martin Jones. Still didn't have the best save percentage or goals against, to be honest. He had an 898 and 302, but yet 10 and 9 record. Like they they played really well in front of him, which right. there you go. If if you if, if you can, yeah, if you can get the scoring, if you can, can kind of limit the goals as best you can. Because here's the thing about an average. It's three goals on average, roughly. But no matter which way you spin it, 294 or 302 or whatever. Right. It doesn't make a difference. It's about three goals. It rounds off to three. Right. But the, if that means that you're offsetting nights of four and five with one and twos. Like there were nights I like I go and look in the playoffs specifically. If I pull up each series based on what they did. So I go to the first round against Vegas. The final scores, so they win game one, five to two. So he gives up two goals in game one. That'll win you games. But the next night they lose five to three. So that won't win you games. They lost to Vegas six to three then in game three. That does not win any I think he got pulled in that one. They lost to Vegas five nothing. That doesn't win you games. Then they when they were trying to make that comeback, five two, two one, five four in overtime. I'm going to I'm going to hit you with a harsh truth here. Sure. If Martin Jones starts more than 30 games, the Flyers are in trouble. I think 30 is the number. I think 30 is the number. I think if Carter Hart is good enough to be the starter, the Flyers are in good shape. Well, that's that's the bet. That, that, that's the I, bet I was alluding to. Yeah. I think if you are relying on Martin Jones in any way shape or form beyond play the second half of back-to-backs and be a backup goalie, I think you're in trouble. I don't see a bounce back out of this guy. Maybe I'm wrong. The guy's got talent, but man, he has fallen off and it's not pretty. And I don't know if there's a way back. I can understand that. But again, one year, $2 million. Not a huge investment, not a huge risk. I'm okay with the move, but man, you're really counting on Carter okay. Hart bounce back. Sure, that's the bigger gamble. That's what I'm saying. Like outside of the gamble yep. being the coaching staff's going to make this mix work because you've changed the mix clearly. 
the, the biggest bet of the offseason is Carter Hart's going to be back to form. That's going to and be the story of the season. Do I, and here's the thing. Do I think that's calculated? Yes, I do. Because I think that, yes, your 22-year-old, 23-year-old goalie who was outstanding in the first couple of years of his career, who had a bad year with who a had horrible— a bad year. Who had, yeah, in a year, though, where defensively, your structure was gone. You just lost it and never got it back. Yep. And for, for one. And two, how do you regroup when you don't practice, when you don't get to go out and do anything to get your mind There's up? There's no team chemistry. He, right. right. The, the, the whole thing was shot. So I think that that's what you're banking on. You're banking on everything is supposed to be different. You're supposed to play an 82-game schedule, which means, like, here's a great example. Go look at the schedule to start their season, for example. They start on a Friday night, right? And they play whenever that first game is. They're going to play four games all at home. Nothing's a back-to-back. They have two days off between one of those sets of games. And then after they play Florida, before they go on the road in Western Canada, they get three days off. Who gets three days off at any point in the season? You know what I mean? Like, Especially when you're going to Western or, Canada. Or, or, or I'm sorry. I shouldn't say it like that. I should say, when last year did they get three days off in a row? Never. Never. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, well, I can tell you one time they did. They, they, yeah. Well, when, yeah, they when they took two weeks off. When they had two weeks off because they couldn't play. And you're literally yep. telling telling seven or eight guys recover from this thing. You know, yep. like that's I I think we're going to see this year how much COVID really affected the team from that perspective, from the team dinners perspective. We we are, but we're not because of the fact that basically Chuck Fletcher told you right now with with all of this. That wasn't an excuse. That's, That's no fair. excuse. Because if it was, if it was an excuse, then Phil Myers is still here, and well, I some I, other people I, may still be here. I'm willing to bet that. So last year, uh, coming down the stretch on the Thirty One Thoughts podcast, Elliot Friedman mentioned that among several non-playoff teams, uh, the grind was really getting to him. Not seeing teammates and not blah blah blah. And he said. On that podcast, I can find the timestamp if we want. Uh, that he wouldn't be, or he was pretty sure there are some rooms that hated each other. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if the Flyers fell into that category, and that's why we saw major pieces moved this offseason. And who was this that you said said this? Uh, Elliot Friedman on okay. the Thirty One Thoughts podcast. I was listening, yes. and then I was making sure we were on the same page with it. Yes. I heard something also that basically he flat out kind of said there were guys who just did not. Like the coaching, staff. he said, hated each other, hated the coaches, hated being here. But the the, the clip yeah. that I heard specifically yeah. that really cited it was there are guys that did not like this coaching staff and could not get a, get on get on the same page with them. And basically, the idea was then if you're not on the same page, then we're gonna find Bye. people who are. Yep. And, Shape up or ship out. And and I can't help but think, quite honestly, that this goes back to things like Jake Voracek saying. Oh, nobody plays sixty. We can say, we say it, but nobody really does it. Like, what kind of attitude is that to have when you're struggling it, as badly as you are? You that's not the way to that, that this works. So, when you I think know that, that long time coming, to be honest. When we know that there was a bad stench coming out of the locker room, and then one of your alternate captains gets traded, it's hard not to speculate. Sure, it especially when we see a culture shift, like or you know a culture problem like we saw last year and the demands for a change like we have seen from Chuck Fletcher, it's hard not to speculate. And <laughs> and it doesn't really do us any good. And, you know, we obviously wish Jake the best in Columbus, but I, it makes you wonder. Right. I mean, because you know what it is? 
I also think it's we, we've heard we heard before the trade that it, that conversation was had, right? That that management sits down and basically says, "Listen, Jake, if we have to do this because it makes the team better, we're going to try to do it." And there was an agreement. They got, like there was an agreement on that. If that happens, it happens. If it's time, it's time. If there's and, a move to be made, it will be right. made. Right. And the bottom line is that by having that conversation and agreeing to it, like they're telling you right there what the goal is. You blew the locks off the door. He's gone. If you you bring him back now, it's awkward and poor. But but basically the bottom line, like the thing that I heard last week, like over the course of last week is that basically look at who's gone and then connect the dots here. These are guys that all had some kind of question about, you know, is their head in the right place when it comes to what they have to do? You know, let's just say Phil Myers may have a lot of potential, but all of last season, he didn't learn from any mistakes, period. I mean, he was making. Copy paste that for Nolan Patrick. Nolan Patrick, I think the issue with him was okay, and I'm not talking about this from a health standpoint. I think it was a head issue in terms of a mental issue. No, when you're told for your entire life, going into your like you're 18 years old, you're going into the draft, and you're told your entire life you're the best, you're the best, you're the best, and then you're not the best when you get to the next level. And you've got to work for it. There's people who embrace that and go, then I'm going to become the best because I have to work harder at it to get there. And there's, guys, and, and there's right. guys who think it's going to come to them that easily. And I think that that last couple of years or that last year in juniors when for a year from whatever year when he, when he was 17 years old, I guess, for a year, everybody's telling you, you're going first overall, buddy. Just get ready for it. You're going to be the first name called at the draft. And then the pressure creeps up on you because – it wasn't just Nico Heischer. I mean, it was by the end of it, but there were other names. Like, Makar was becoming louder, and Heiskanen was becoming louder. Like, these guys were not... And you were even hear, starting to hear things about Pedersen and right. guys a little these further down. These guys were down. far yeah. off in the distance. These guys were coming, and the pressure starts to mount on you, and he and he fell to two. It was, you know... And look, there's conflict here whether that was actually the pick of consensus or if they're like everybody thinks it is but if in that room but no but if in that draft room that there wasn't an idea that there was other guys that they liked better that ron hextall said nope this is the guy and look you can sit there and say whatever you want to about it all the connections that ron hextall has to that team the branding connection the fact that that was his junior team the fact that the kids from manitoba like great maybe that's why you do it and maybe and look on the surface, nobody was going to complain because it no. was look at what this kid's numbers were two years ago. He had some health issues, still killed it in June in juniors. He's nobody questioned the pick when it was picked. And that's not to say that Nolan Patrick can't be a good player in the league and start putting up numbers on a hot streak. He and can. I still think he's going to be for the right, record. Right. There, let's just say everybody I would not right, be surprised if he's a point per game player in in, in his career. Maybe, but. I, I, like here's here's my counter to that. Then when am I supposed to wait for that until he's thirty? I'm not saying the Flyers should have waited for it. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised. I think Nolan Patrick is prime for a fresh start. You hear that phrase all the time in hockey. Sure. And I think that's exactly what the Cody Glass swap with Nashville and Vegas was. I also think, in fairness, it, it there, and I'm not going to try to sit there. Like I'm not trying to sit there and say that there's other places that aren't critical of their players, but. When Miro Heiskanen falls into Dallas and Kale McCarr falls into Colorado, and by the way, Colorado with Nathan McKinnon, Gabe Landeskog, Miko Rantanen, good you know, good core and things like that. A really good, good defensive core already. already. Good, right. really good young core, by the way, like in Colorado because they were they're basically hitting the prime right now. I mean, you're going you're going for it right now. So 
Well, you also have to remember how they did it because the Avalanche right. built that core through being bad. The Flyers got that second pick through spiking a lottery. Well, right, I get that. But what I'm saying is that there's almost an element of, like, you have to wonder, is it also the environment? Like, is in the fans hold the teams to such a high standard that if you are not tough enough to handle the criticism, especially when you've been told your entire life you're the best and now you're not the best and you're kind of hearing the question marks, like, is that like is that the chance for Nolan Patrick to revitalize his career because you're going to a place in Vegas where it's probably a lot more, you know, oh, you'll get it eventually. It's okay. You know what I mean? Like, it's probably no, a lot Nolan, more of that than it is than in Philly. As far as I'm concerned, Nolan Patrick has two options. He can turn into Nail Yakupov and be in the KHL within the next three years. Or he can turn into Ryan Nugent Hopkins and be like a solid 2C and revitalize his career. I, and I get that. Uh, oh, what I'm trying to get at is that here, with the way that the fans are, you gotta, you've got to, you've got to, no, again, no, you've got to be really headstrong. And the problem is, is that when you've been told you're the best and you're not the best anymore, and you're struggling to get anything, like, and again, maybe we don't, maybe there's also something we don't know about his health on top of it. But if there's something we don't know about his health, then he won't last in the league. Period. And then we'll know Nolan the answer Pat later. Did Nolan Patrick represent Canada on the world stage? Um, I'm, he played for their juniors team at some point, right? No, because I think that the year that he, he really hurt? would have gone, he was hurt. So okay, I was going to say, really I, I'd be willing to bet that those Canadian fans for World Juniors are more numerous uh, and more passionate than a lot of your average Philadelphia Flyers fans. And let's let's be real, okay? I think like, it's a bigger point, market. No, oh, I agree, that I agree with. I just I'm saying I don't recall him playing on that stage. Okay. To get that kind of you know, spotlight, I suppose. And then when you're playing in the WHL and you were already this great at 16 and then 17, you're even better. And then at 18, like literally there's people who are going, it doesn't matter. You could have sat out the whole year and people, someone's going to take you top five because you were that good. Right. You and know, you did only play 33 games his, uh, his draft year, but, but had what? 50 something points, 40 something uh, points, 52. like 48, yeah, like 48, uh, 46. 46. Right. Yeah. So like, come yeah. on. Exactly. Like you, you are a great junior player. You are an outstanding junior player. You know, like I get it. So that that's why some of these things work. We're still talking about somehow. We're still talking about Martin Jones on all somehow. Of this. No, I know. Uh, the well, idea was the idea is that we're talking about the, the the bounce back stuff, right? Like it's about bouncing back, like the, and taking a leap of faith on some people, and that's the, that's the thing. And it's you know you're you're right about that element of it. If because I just well, while you were talking about well we shifted to Nolan Patrick somehow but you you basically you said if he's got to play more than thirty games you're in trouble I would my counter is not necessarily on a number because I I don't hesitate to sit there and sure. say no because because in terms of I don't hesitate to sit there and say if I somehow get to a point in the year where I have to use Martin Jones five or six games in a row because there's something going on. If I have to use Martin Jones because Carter Hart isn't good enough to take most of the starts. Well, the, yes, then that's a big problem. I'm saying right. if I have to use Martin Jones for five or six starts in a row because Carter Hart tweaks something, it's going to be a week. You need to play Martin Jones. And you don't you even know, have Alex Lyon to fall back on anymore because he signed in Carolina. He's going to go be their third goalie. That might have been the least surprising news, to be honest. Like he wants Alex Lyon have... leaving? I totally... Yeah, absolutely. Well, because if he thinks he's got a shot somewhere, and listen, you know what? Go for it, kid. And, and you know what? He does have a shot. You know why? Because... The goalies in Carolina now are Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta, and both of them have had injury trouble in the past. Yes, sir. If if you get a shot because of that, 
you know, it, it, look, is there irony that he's probably now because it's a two-way deal, he's going to go play for the team that he beat in the longest AHL in the game in history? Game. Yeah. Yes, there's irony to that. But I don't think – I, I wouldn't be shocked if he finds a way to make it into a game at some point, into the lineup, starting a game for the Carolina Hurricanes this year because somebody gets hurt. I, I won't be, be surprised in the slightest. And you know no, what? No. He'll probably look pretty good, too. So here's, but here's where we were going with the Martin Jones thing, right? Because I don't have a problem starting Martin Jones five games in a row if Carter Hart's not like well, physically well. You know, like he can handle the workload. You used Brian Elliott last year for 26 starts. It was a 56 game season. That's basically half of the season. It's too so many. 20, right. So 26 starts. And oh, by the way, he got into 30 games. You know what else that means? It means Carter Hart got pulled four times in like 26 game season. Right. He only started 25 games. Right. So he got pulled four times. So the Almost tw- a sixth of the time. Right. So like. getting pulled nearly 20% of the time is not very good, is it? You know, like, I, I don't know if we can possibly see worse from Carter Hart when you oh, go. Oh, don't say that. No. When you consider what you've tried to address here. Well, we just jinxed that. Carter Hart's going to have an 865 this season. Well, look, if he does, then you've got bigger concerns oh, than whether or not Martin Jones can play. Let's be real. No, at that point, we have a conversation about Felix Sandstrom, and we start talking about who the next goalie up in the pipeline is. Right. Now, okay, so Mar- my, my Martin Jones theory, because you brought up these other guys in the system, but I, this is my theory. Because is this I a stopgap? Well, because, no, I saw a lot of people who turn around and go, well, he got $2 million. Braden Holpe only got $2 million for a year, too. Why not him? Or what about the, you know, James Reimer got two or a little over two and why not him or you know there were even talks about uh Laurent Brassois who signed with Vegas to be the backup to Robin Leonard who's been solid behind Connor Hellebuck in Winnipeg for the last two years right the only knock that anybody had on him and I wrote it because I wrote his name like ironically enough by the way I think I wrote every goalie that they probably could have looked at outside of Martin Jones in my preview for free is it that Carter Hart starts too many or is it that Connor Hellebuck starts too many games and you don't see Brassois enough it's that Brassois does not have enough experience as a starter to go, yep. is he a tandem level guy or is he just a backup to a really good goalie? You know? Right. And someone's going to take a leap of faith on that as well, no doubt about it. But the bottom but, line was... Well, the that, argument there, if you're Vegas, is is Robin Lehner a starter? You know, Can you have Brassois just be a backup and not have to be a tandem guy? Well, we'll, we'll see about that too, for sure. Right. But but So my thing was is that out, you know, outside of that... like. I think Jonathan Bernier was the ideal for the Flyers. If you were if you're asking me who they sat down and who said was at the top of Chuck Fletcher's list, right. right? If you ask me who they sat down and really wanted, I think it was Jonathan Bernier. The problem is Jonathan Bernier got a two year deal with a cap hit of over four million dollars. Yeah, and that wasn't that was not happening. And well, that wasn't happening because of, for one big reason, because or actually for two big reasons, because. As long as Carter Hart and Travis Sanheim don't have contracts, you are not signing somebody to anything north of three million dollars right now. So that is why and you until you have Drew and Couturier locked up, next summer is questionable too. <laughs> yeah, yes and no because th- uh, I say yes and no because there are options. Like there's options where the money will show up because the of Flyers. What doing. The Flyers cap friendly page looks pretty interesting when you start looking at who's leaving after this next year. Yeah, that's, you know why? That's for a show wrote, in the future. I wrote it down somewhere. I think I, I either wrote it down or I definitely said it on the air earlier this week. They only have 10 guys who are under contract beyond this season. Yep. And that There's includes, a lot on the line. Oh, and that includes assuming Carter Hart and Travis Sanheim get multi-year deals, which I think they will, to be honest. And you know what? If you're Flyers management, like ownership... You might look at that and go, well, if things don't work out this year, it's a pretty good time to clean house. Well, th- th- this is that's that's the bet, right? The bet is 
this is either going to turn it around or it's going to show even more flaws with the roster than it did before, and you're going to have even more changes next year. This could be a very, very big year for the Philadelphia Flyers. It already is. I mean, we've look, because now you have to – what you have to do is basically – it, this defines whether or not you really were turning the corner with that really good year under AV and making a playoff push and getting within one game of the conference final or whether you are the mediocre team that we saw for the eight years before that and the team last year. You know, like, what are you? Are you the team that gets, can you know, because right now on paper, like, this goes back to the expectations a little bit, right? If you ask me what do I think of what they've done, and, like, really quick, um, I'm trying to tile. Okay, so... I, I, I will get into what we think of the team moving forward in a second. So the Martin Jones theory is that they did not want to want to sign a guy. If you've noticed, every guy that is considered more of a risk when it comes to adding him or or a bet, as we're calling them, the bets are all one year deals. Right. You are bringing back, you know, like you signed Martin Jones, one year deal. Keith Yandel's a one year deal. You bring back this guy, Nate Thompson, one Nate year Thompson, deal. One year deal. Yep. Even even the trade now, the, it's a high price. The trade for Rasmus Ristolainen, though. It's one year at $5.4 million. Is it a big bet? Yes. It's, right. It's one year and your first round draft pick well, is the big part of that. Well, I, I was also referring to that more on, on the, the contract is a big No, hit. I understand. It's right. A, you know, like. When it's we're a lot talking, of money with well, no salary retained. When, yeah. Right. Well, when we're talking cap hit percentages, right? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, How do you not get he, Buffalo to retain? <sighs> well. Anyway. <laughs> Different story. Well, the, no, they they did get Buffalo to retain because that's what Robert Haig was in the deal for. That's what Chuck Fletcher even said. I, I know that. I know that. Well, Robert Haig was a seventh defenseman anyway. Right, that's fair. It's not that big of a deal, so let's not even worry about that. You know. So the bottom line, though, is so. And, and Nate Thompson, by the way, is an a thousand percent. It's a fit on this team because of what he can do within reason, meaning physically as you know, as long. Well, physically penalty kill face offs, all these little things. He's not going to drive scoring. He's going to play a defensive game. He's going to be in the bottom six. And well, for the most part, that's why he's here's another guy. If you are playing this guy more than 30 games in your season for any reason other than an injury, you have a problem. That's fair. That's what that's the big question mark. The question mark is usage. It's not. Oh, the player can't deliver something. Of course he can. And, and quite frankly, he's the type of guy I don't mind having in the 13th forward role when you're going to play, as Chuck Fletcher noted, there's a stretch in the schedule where they play five games in seven nights. You want to bring him in for the second half of those back-to-backs and sit somebody who's sure, been playing play him two or three times that week? Play him cool. twice that week? Go for it. I'm all cool. for that. But you've got to be mindful of his use. And again, if someone gets hurt and he's got to step in, he's absolutely a Fuck viable him. guy to step in on right. the fourth line and play enough minutes and enough games in a row while that guy recovers. Like... I don't want serviceable. Wanna... Exactly. And he's serviceable. He's a good locker room guy. We know this. They lo- they all love him. I mean, how many how many young guys posted something about Nate Thompson being back because they really liked the guy. Joel Farabee did this. Like they yep. liked the guy a lot. So take that for what it's worth. But that's that's what the question is. It's usage. It's not oh the player's awful. He can't bring anything. It's just you got to be smart about how much you use him, how often you use him in a game. Don't, you know, reduce yourself to you're an 11 forward team with Nate Thompson for six minutes. You got to be right. careful about that, too. So we will see. I mean, th- th- this is very much and I think it's a it is a legitimate thousand percent legitimate argument to make or a legitimate thought to have. If they do not get off to a good start, Elaine Vigneault has got to watch out because his job will be on the line because you're you're, you're literally telling him, here's the toy box. 
Here is the new items. Look at all these shiny new items. You got a new, you know, brand a new Ryan Ellis, a new Cam Atkinson, a new Keith Yandel that you did not have a year before, right? And I, I know Keith Yandel's older. I'm not trying to make uh, it sound like they're shiny and new. And Vino has used Keith Yandel before, right? But you're you're literally sitting here saying, "Look what we gave you this year." This is what we did this last offseason. We gave you not only did we give you new new guys to work with, but quite possibly we took away the problem areas. We took away the guys that didn't agree with you, that didn't yep. resonate with you. We, we solved the, the problems page. theoretically. Right. That we thought that like whatever we thought was wrong with the room and the mix of the team and all that stuff, we've we've addressed it. We think that that's what this is what will work. And it's on on Elaine Vigneault now to take that into his hands and go how can I apply this to make this team as good as possible? And on one hand, maybe it's just as simple as you get to practice. Chuck um, Fletcher literally said the biggest thing they have coming up, by the way, more important than any game they have coming up, is they've got to have an outstanding camp. That's okay. literally the first thing he said. He goes, what does it all depend on? Uh, it doesn't depend on any specific player or any better. Or anything. we got to have a good camp. we got to just have a really good camp. You mentioned Elaine Vino having to watch out, and I agree with you. If this season goes poorly and Rasmus Ristolainen looks bad and Martin Jones continues to look terrible and you know some of these bets don't hit, man, if you're if you're management, you have to be real tempted to take Chuck Fletcher with him. Do you not? Possibly. And, and I'm I, not. And I'm not saying Chuck Fletcher's on the hot seat. I think he's made enough no. solid moves that ownership feels comfortable with him. But if if this blows up and goes nuclear, how many coaches do you give Chuck Fletcher? Right, like you let him fire Elaine Vino, hire it, another coach, and you give him two more years. Like, it depends. I'm not saying on, they shouldn't, but no, I'm saying it, they they think I, about not doing that. It, but it depends because if with what you've done, if you're Chuck Fletcher, you've given this team kind of quite frankly, at the very least, I'll say this: whether you like. Ristolainen, whether you like Gandel, whether you like Thompson, whether you like Martin, it doesn't matter. You can have thoughts on any one of those guys one way or the other. It doesn't matter. You know what you've done, at the very least? You've brought some energy back to this team. Not in terms of what we can see on the ice, because we, again, we can't prove that yet. There's no way to prove that this team is better energy-wise and performance-wise on the ice until October. There just right. isn't. But, right. has, hasn't, like, and you're not on Twitter, I get it, but, like, Twitter's been buzzing, because... Basically, there wasn't a day. I, I turned around and even said no, and it was funny because you mentioned that you, you, you were, we were talking about this last week when we recorded a show, and we had watched as – let's put it way. It was from, from the previous Saturday. Chuck Fletcher had made a trade for Ryan Ellis, then made a trade for Rasmus – well, I was going to say, when's the last time a team made four big trades in a week? When's the last time any team made four trades in a week? You That's know? what I'm saying. I mean, let's anybody. Say, do you do you want to like to give you an idea of how this resonated even outside of the world that we know, where people are all in on everything hockey, right? Right. On the station on ninety seven three, you've got people sitting there going, "It's baseball's trade deadline this week. Where's the Phillies management at making moves this week when Chuck Fletcher's out there making four trades in a week? Like, look what he's doing. Right. How come you're not out there trying to do something? That's funny. and they and they did later. I'm not saying that, but like. You had people, but I'm saying you had hosts who don't talk about hockey all that much going off, going. Chuck well, Fletcher's active. Why aren't you? Look at what, he, look at what he's doing. Right. And, 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 and be, but because of the fact that the two teams are so similar in terms of it's stale, it was a stale room. And the last thing you could do was say, we're just going to bring it all back exactly the same way. If you ran it back with the same forward group or the same defensive core or the same two goalies, you would have nobody. You've got people's 
attention again because at the very least, what are people going to tune in in October for? To at least see what these new guys bring. What the new guys look like, yep. Right? Because that, that that's the at the very least because you don't have anything to base it off of. You go, this is you've got six new players on a team that's going to ice 20 a game. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that's that's a huge percentage in terms. You're over of a quarter of your team. Turnover. Over a quarter of your team is brand new, so you might as well see what you have, and well, and that's what fans are interested in. And we talked about it last season. You said, you know, we talked about the changes this team has made, and they changed coaches. They went from right. Ron Hextall to uh, Chuck Fletcher, and they went from Dave Hextall to Elaine Vigno. And you said, hey, if it doesn't work this year, it's on the players. And Chuck Fletcher has come out this summer and proved that, that it yeah. was indeed on the players. Well, and that's why I think that he's a little safer than Elaine Vigneault is. Because I think that's fair. And, and, and I only say that because if, if things start to go bad one way or the other, first of all, I don't think they're going to look at every new guy, or at least two of the new guys. They're not going to look at Cam Atkinson and Ryan Ellis and say, well, gee, it's all... They're like, the problem. They're the right. problem. And I don't look, to be fair, I think that they're they're on multi year deals and you feel comfortable trading for their multi year contracts that still have a decent amount left because I think you feel comfortable with the player. With you where know, they are as players, I, right. I, well, because what did we say about Jake Voracek in in reality? Okay, so like I get it. They make the trade like they trade him off to Columbus to make a trade that gets something new in here, something different, right? Right. I get that. But at the end of the day, what we said is that if Jake Voracek came back on the team and was on this team next season, you know what to expect from him. He's yep. a he's a ten to fifteen goal scorer and fifty five to sixty five fifty to sixty point guy because yep. that's what he's been his entire career and you know what to expect by now. The difference is does that really get you up and out of bed every day for well, eight right. and a half million dollars or eight point well, two five million dollars? Like the number. Like that was the first thing that I was approached with when I went on the station to talk about that trade was when. Like goal scoring, you don't pay a guy, or uh, they didn't. He didn't say this. They didn't say this to me specifically, but it was it was talked about. You don't pay a guy eight million dollars to not score a ton of goals. Like to uh, see you, you say that, but Phil Deneau just got what seven in La, in Los Angeles. I thought Philip Deneau got like five and a half or six. Did he get? Did he get five and a half? I could have sworn he got seven. I might. Nah, be seven that. was somebody. It had to be somebody else. You're thinking. Maybe of. that's what he was asking. Um, could be, I don't know. I mean, it, it is what it is. But maybe you're right because I really don't know how Phil Deneau didn't get more money than five and a half if that's what he okay, got. Okay, cause... okay, correct correction. Then let's do this this way. If Phil, right. even if Phil Deneau got seven million dollars, right. here's here's the thing about it. Jake Voracek got that eight point two five million dollars. How many years ago? Several so, years so ago. In, a, so yeah. so what are you saying? Your inflation rate is saying that he's Connor McDavid's contract with. 13 goals a year you know what i mean like that's not good that's not the same thing you don't like that you know what i mean like what if you have that like that's the thing what if you have a guy like that what if nolan patrick was that guy what if nolan patrick is 25 goals a year and uh, near 100 points and you have to sign him and he's gonna be making five and a half wow yeah i was gonna say i knew i knew i saw it like crazy it was never realistic from what Flyers fans wanted because Flyers Flyers fans wanted him as a third. And I'm not saying that that's wrong to think. Like, if no, you, I would take him as a third line center all day, every day. You it's, can't afford him, right? I knew that from the beginning, though. Like, yeah. if there is look, if there's still a move to be made, and I do think that there is a possibility, uh, like down the line, you have to see what the other two guys like. This be, this is important. You have to see what this turns into, and then you can kind of sit there and go. Yeah. 
And then you can kind of go, is there enough money out there to sign somebody else to a low-risk, high-reward contract, right? right. And, and for people that aren't watching on YouTube, we're talking about the uh, the contracts for Carter Hart and Travis Sanheim, who are currently RFAs. Now, Again, the Flyers are sitting on about $8 million in cap space right now, so it's it's not really a concern if they'll get signed. It's just, right. at this point, it's kind of now, a matter of how much and what the numbers look now, have like. You seen, have you read... Charlie O'Connor broke it down and kind of tried to guess what the what the cap hit was going to be for both of these guys or gave his projections. Okay. He's, he's not that far off from what I have. I just think they're going on the slightly lower end of that because they're going to not I don't want to call it lowball them. I think they're just going to try to be reasonable with the way last season went and go. Realistically speaking, here's for the next getting. two to, for the next 2 to 3 years, here's what we can afford while the cap gets back into shape. Right. Charlie kind of Charlie's going to be a bridge deal. Charlie has it at like that it's going to take up almost all of the 8 million that would be left. And I don't think he's off by a lot. I keep coming back to, because I think he had Sanheim at, I think he had Sanheim at 4.5 or something like that and had Hart at 3.75. I, I think like the number get under, you can get Hart under three and a half. I'm pretty sure. I think Hart's going to be a poor year. I think Hart's getting three. Yeah. I would love three by three for Carter Hart. I think you're giving Carter Hart three million dollars if you can if he agrees to it. And I think right. you're giving Travis Sanheim and this is gonna sound ridiculously specific, but it's uh, but I'm this is what we do, so I'm gonna go with the specific answer. Four point four million dollars. Okay. Because he made three point two five last year, I believe. How long is the question on Sanheim specifically? Two to three, because because you want to keep his RFA eligibility for one more contract, right? You, like, this is a bridge. You, you do, but with what I keep coming back to with Sandheim, because I don't think Sandheim had the worst year in the world that you go, he's you're gonna he rob him. Well, well right. to, to the point where you're gonna rob him of an increase. You you gave him more time, like you gave him he way more a race. Right, you he gave him a way more of a race. Right, you gave him way more ice time, and and quite frankly, you never gave him a truly viable partner because the guy who you wanted him to play with was awful, and is no and longer he made here some, anyway. He made the occasional mistake from time to time, for sure, but he was fine <laughs> most right. of the time. Right. So here's – well, you know what? I think it was down the stretch to like the second half of the year he was a lot better. He got better over the second half of the he year. He got better season. as the team got worse around him. Right, kind of. And so here's where I'm at with Sanheim. I think you give Travis Sanheim the Oscar Lindblom-style deal where you say – just take the three years at this price, and we'll talk again later. But for I right now, we're, we'll, uh, right, we got but you. For right, but for right. right now, this is well. I I wouldn't be making promises to people wow. because in three years' time, if you're not very good, you're going to be doing the same thing you did this off season. But but I would sit there and say you've got to do the three year thing for right now, until anything. Carter Hart could honestly be a two year at three mil because. You got to be reasonable. Yeah. You, you got to be reasonable with the kid at this point. Like I he know. was outstanding one year, he, and he wasn't the next. And I think you've got to balance that out. He's not making a million dollars next year. I can tell you that. No, I, I would love it from a cap capology perspective, but it ain't gonna happen. Uh, listen, I'd l I'd love for you to sit there and say his cap hit's gonna be what Martin Jones is getting. It's not. But I'd love to see I'd love to see Carter Hart sign for eight years at seven hundred and fifty k a year, but it ain't gonna happen. Right. And this is and well this goes this goes back to my Martin Jones theory because I think they wanted a one year deal. The only goalies who signed a one year deal outside of Jones were Braden Holpe, who guess what? Shockingly, also needs to prove himself. Well it does, but guess what? Shockingly it count comes out. He didn't want to leave the West, so okay. He wasn't was coming never, here. It right. was never even on the table, so that conversation died before it even got to the process of actually trying to negotiate a deal. Right. And I would not be shocked if Yaroslav Halak was in the same boat. 
I want to go out here. This he wants is where, to go where I'm going. he wants to go. That news was out before, way before Tuesday and Wednesday, by the way. So I would say, if I had to guess, that was never on the table, period. So now you are looking at, do you want to potentially say, we're gambling on a guy like Martin Jones, or do you want to gamble on a James Reimer or Laurent Bressois or any of these guys and say, but it's two years now. And you're oh, right, and then you're like, stuck with a bad contract if like, it's not working out. How many years? I, I think I think at minimum, by the way, I think at least the last two seasons. It could be more if I'm not mistaken. But the last, at least the last two seasons, Brian Elliott was back on one-year deals. It was well, we're yeah. just moving it down the line to the next year. You want to stay here? Okay, it's a one-year deal. Want to stay? One-year deal. And you could have done the same thing this year, but you wanted to change. You, I felt like you feel like you had to change the course because you're looking at you. Well, because at the end of the day. You you want Carter Hart to come back and play fifty five games. You do. Right. It's the truth. It's just you need to have that backup plan for. Uh oh, something goes wrong. He can't play fifty five. I need a guy well, who can step in and play. Well, and the nice thing is we learned last year. No matter how god awful a one year free agent signing is, you can still flip him at the deadline. Thanks, Eric Gustafson. Sure, and I I think <laughs> you know I don't know if there's going to be a market for Martin Jones at the deadline specifically, but I look at some of the other guys and I go, you know what. If worse but comes to worse, you are flipping. You are probably flipping Nate Thompson. Right, you full are, you disaster. Are, you're flipping Nate Thompson. Right, and guess what? If Yandel wants to go, you're flipping Yandel. I don't know if he has a, a clause. He does for the, he has a no move clause. Okay, but, but it's and a one year Martin deal. Jones. Somebody will somebody will take Martin Jones as a fourth goalie for the playoffs if uh, you retain and get him fourth. at a million bucks. I don't know about fourth, but okay. third. Like you know what I mean? You could. I, there's a world where Martin Jones has a little value as a backup depth goalie. I get what you mean. I'm not a thousand percent sure on that one, but but I'll tell you, I'll tell you who I could see them actually moving if it came to it. They could find a home for Ristolainen if he's doing okay, but the team's not. That too. I, but listen, that's another number you can you, soak up half of well, that number and get that player right, much more attractive. You can you can hate what Ristolainen's done in the last few years. You can say the Buffalo effect is not changing. He's just an anchor. I get it if you feel that way. Here's the bottom line, though. What makes it feel what makes this deal better two ways over is when you see what happens to. Seth Jones after the fact, same day that that trade happens, and Seth Jones goes, gets the trade he wants to the team he wants. He goes to Chicago. Okay, that's fine. He was It was pretty much decided he was only going to play for certain teams. So, right. fine. And then he signs the extension. And the extension is Hefty. eight years at $9.5 million. And oh, by the way, the other guy you could have tried to sign, Dougie Hamilton, seven years at $9 million. Like, these contracts, I don't think are going to age well. That's just I think, me. I think Hamilton's more likely to age well than than the other ones, but yes, I agree with I, you. I don't feel good about it, to be honest. I don't. Not on not on not on that team without more help. Can I say that at least? That's fair. Let's like let, let me put it like this. In five years, five years from right now, I'd rather have two years left of a nine million dollar Dougie Hamilton contract than one year left of a six million dollar Ryan Ellis contract. I'm well. I'll we'll see about that down the line. Five years That's is a fair. long time to go down the line. That's but fair. I just what I don't like about it is that like to me, does New Jersey get better with Dougie Hamilton? Of course they do. That's right. that's obvious. But I, like I'm almost curious this year. What are you going to do this year? With I with, think they're with, banking on Mackenzie Blackwood. Like I don't know if they expect. Well, to be but good, there you but go. I think they. I think they expect to look kind of like the Ottawa Senators. But where they're coming. It's it's not even that I'm like saying it from that angle though. What I'm trying to get is that okay, yeah, you might be banking on your goalie a lot. But if you're in the situation that, like Dougie Hamilton is, are you going to run this guy into the ground and play him near 30 minutes a night because he's yep. a he's the number? Yeah, okay, but this is why I'm concerned about the contract then. Because if it's you fair. run him in, if you run him into the ground in year one, what's year three or four going to look like? 
Like, I think that's a valid have, concern. Like, I, I, I'm not like that's why I sit there and go. I look at this top pairing and I go, you're gonna have some really good balance on the Flyers for thirteen million dollars, where other guys are making nine and a half million dollars, ten million dollars, eleven million dollars a year, and that's one guy. And all we already think some of them are washed up. Right. Like, like what happens now when you have? By the way, one of those guys, like. The Wierenski deal came out, and right away, I, I I shot the text over, and I go, "This guy keeps looking better and better every day, doesn't he?" You know, because yep. Ivan, Ivan Provorov's six-year contract entering year number three, so he's got four years left at six point seven five million dollars. Well, Zach Wierenski's making nine and a half mil, just over nine and a half million for and, those next. And, yeah, and guess whose deal is going to be up relatively soon? Charlie McAvoy's going to need a contract. Guess how much money he's going to get? He's going to get nine million dollars. He'll sign for five and a half because it's Boston. No, he won't though, because no, that they will compare and he will be one of the because because he already plays the minutes. He's already uh, he's already assumed the role. He will play. I I have a feeling his contract is going to come in at least a million and a half under market value. Maybe it does. If it does, that's, that's great how for Boston them. works. Look at Pasta. David Pasternak's making less than no. six point seven. No, I know he is, but that's Come not how, that, that's not how Boston works. That's that's a Tampa Sh- tactic now. Sure, too. it is. It turns out teams want to play there. <laughs> it's amazing how that works, isn't it? What you what you mean? It's amazing how it works. That if you have a good team, then players don't necessarily worry about how much money they're making because you actually have a shot to win. It's amazing. Players want to win. Oh, all right. This is this is why I'm saying Dougie Hamilton at nine million dollars because he you, like you don't walk in. I get you, it. No, you walk in going, well, New Jersey can afford it. They want more help. Here I am. Come pay me the money. You know, like it, 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 here we go. It's like it's like Jerry Maguire. Show me the money, right? Like just show me the money. You know, like you know that's, how, that's, how these, that's how some of these guys walk around because it's oh you want you want help you want help immediately like and guess what it's not always guys who go to play for a really good team because guess what that's Alex Petrangelo Alex Petrangelo is going you want like it, it's not you want to be good Alex Petrangelo goes to Vegas and it's you want to win you want next level yep. I'll give you a next level you want elite where's the money you know like exactly yeah. so it, it, that's how it plays out are they better are they better it remains to be seen. I think what it if, does. If, if you asking me, to, if you're asking me today, and I, uh, you know, look, I'm not like the players aren't going to change, but maybe my perception changes based on what you're paying Carter Hart and Travis Anheim, and if you have room to add, I don't know if you're going to have room to add. Maybe you will. Like I'd love, to, I'd I don't love you're going to have much. I don't. I'd love to see them at the end of the whole thing somehow have, let's just say, have a million dollars. I'd love to see 1.5. That's kind of the number I was looking at. 1.5 would be glorious. You know why? Because I would love to see if 1.5, depending on who hangs around long enough, and maybe this is a little ridiculous because of the fact that we're already, like, you joked about it being the Boston gang, right? Maybe they're just going to keep reuniting AV with old players because I would love to get Derek Derek Stepan or Derek Broussard on, like, that low-risk, high-reward contract. I would. Derek Stepan would be a beautiful third-line center on this team. Or even fourth line center, right? And I mean, look, because let's say there's a lot of people out there, and, and you're not going to get this guy for less than two or three million dollars easy. But like a lot of people want it as soon as like the Islanders are struggling to sign people right now because they're trying to weigh who they're giving the money to. Because they're going to sign Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. No, Ryan Suter went to Dallas. Oh, right, right, right. I forgot. About, I missed that. That's news. A, no, but Parise is not officially announced yet. You're right about that. So yeah. Like it's like they're sitting there. They're going to do it, but like it's what is it going to cost? And like nobody knows terms. That's what we're sitting there going. Right. What is it? But there's people out there that go. Well, it's Lou Lamorello, so we're not right. going to know the terms until it's on cap friendly. <laughs> right. 
but there's a lot of people who go like they're weighing these decisions and Casey Zizekas is a free agent jump at it like right like because people love watching what he's done for them it doesn't mean yeah. it's gonna, it by the way it does not mean it's going to going to equate exactly that way with another team it of course really, you're not playing it, under barry trotz well, it works well right you're not playing under barry trotz and it works really well for the new york islanders and what works well for the new york islanders doesn't necessarily work for somebody else but every receiver who left the patriots under belichick went on to be all stars everywhere else right um i don't know about that that that's the yeah i know yeah <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say nobody did, right? Right. All right. So um, one, okay, one, and it, well, he's not a receiver, but Gronk, Gronk's right. had a good, like, kind of broke out. Well, yeah, it's besides. Yeah, but he still played with Tom Brady. Um, That's true. He needed to go where Tom Brady did to make it work. I got gotcha. you. All right. Let's. So we'll see what happens. I mean, we're gonna take a like, like we said, we're gonna take a week off now. Yep. Because, we're gonna go back to our every other week for the well, summer here. Well, because the, kind of. the, this was exactly what Chuck Fletcher said. This he literally basically said, if you don't have a, have it figured out by like two days after the free agency period opens, you're kind you're of in done. trouble. And yeah. I, I do want to add really quick about where he's at. Credit to Chuck Fletcher for at the very least, if you would have told me. This team's going to come into the offseason, and on paper, let's just say, we're again, we're doing the on-paper thing, I get it. They're going to need a top-pairing defenseman, a backup goalie. Somewhere down the line, you're going to need another defenseman. You could use a third-line center. You would love to add something, somebody who can play higher than that on like the wing who has some scoring touch. But how many things is that that I just mentioned? That's like five things. And with the, the cap landscape the way it is, how are you supposed to do it's that? Tough to address all that. Right. How do you address all of it? And he goes out and in and and in getting kind ahead of the market, right. And in getting ahead of the market, got two new defensemen for the top four, added a depth signing on de- on defense that is low risk, high reward. You're gonna love having like from let's just say just from a personality standpoint. From a social media perspective, you're gonna love having Keith Yandel just for the mic'd up. Right. Well, someone even said if, if you're doing your job wrong, if you don't mic up both Kevin Hayes and Keith every Yandel, every game. Yep. Every night. Right. Those two oh. and Scott and Travis Konechny. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Scott Lawton, you. if you got a fourth so, mic laying around. So you bring in so you bring in three new defensemen to cover basically the biggest weakness of the team last season. You do go out and still get the backup goaltender at a look, question question marks? Sure. One of the defensemen has question marks too. Doesn't matter. You still address the areas and made it fit under the cap somehow. You got a different answer in town. It might not be the right answer, but it's a right, different answer, th- and we'll see. But the, but the ones that you're saying it might not be the right answer to, again, are one-year contracts. The ones that you think are really the right – like, like Absolutely. I, I think Ryan Ellis is a perfect fit on this team, and that's why I don't – like I sit there and go, the six-year contract's great. You have your – you solidified that pair. That pair's not going anywhere. If the Flyers come up with a decent alternate jersey this year, I might buy a Ryan Ellis. <laughs> I don't. I think they're just sticking with what they have, aren't they? So, so yeah, the, they so always the, come up with a. I don't know. I haven't really heard anything about jerseys for next year. I don't think they want to change anything personally. Like if they're, I, I think every. I think the only thing that's changing, is I think the reverse retros are disappearing. If Thank I'm not. God. Yeah, I hear you. So um, bad. So um. Bad. What, what? Where was I going with this? Okay. And then the forward. The forward is look. You know, Cam Atkinson comes in, can play penalty kill really well. By the way, like. One of the things I don't know if we mentioned on here last week when we talked about him is second in the league in what, like the last five years, I think it is, or four years in shorthanded goals behind Brad Marchand only. Like, pretty good company. Pretty good company, right? So, but two years removed from a 41 goal season, probably good for at least 20 to 25. Revitalized energy. Shorthanded goal specialist Kevin Hayes on your team. 
short angle goal specialist. Forget that part, especially when you have the only time you can score. No, no, especially when you have former college teammate that you could literally say, "Hey, the two college guys, the you BC two, guys, go get on." Right, BC guys, get on the ice. You know. Yep. I mean, they, Kevin they, Hayes they, wins the faceoff. Cam Atkinson goes end to end and scores. Done. Well, you know. We can talk about this on a future episode because it's going to be something that's worth talking about when we really want to try to, especially with the paper game. But they are going to have really good special team balance when you think about who can play one and who can play the other or who plays both. It doesn't really matter, but they're going to have good balance. It's going to be Sean really Couturier, interesting. Sean Couturier probably went, oh, thank you, because he doesn't <laughs> have to play all two minutes of every power play and all two minutes of every penalty kill. You mean with the two forwards that they added because Cam Atkinson and Nate Thompson can do it, and he just sits there and goes, "Yes, thank, thank you. you. I can, I Please. can play. Thank you for the five on five. Like I can play better at five on five now. I'll be yep. more effective." Yeah. Also, sure. one thing, one thing I'm very excited. and We are wrapping the show here. Uh, yes, one thing I'm very excited about is I want Cam Atkinson to take Travis Konechny under his wing and teach him how to play kind of that speedy style role. at the NHL level. Uh, okay, you mean oh, so you want him? To, you want him to teach him how to play the skilled grinder role, the guy who yeah, is, exactly the gigantic. Well, gi- gigantic as if they're all as if they're both really tall. They're not. They're, they're, neither I, of them are gigantic. I, I say we had this conversation last week. This is these are the two guys on the team that make me feel better about my own height, li- li- literally. And well, right, and I want Cam Atkinson to kind of take Travis Konechny under his wing and teach him how to play at that size. Cam Atkinson right now is. I'm trying to like okay. I know I'm, you're not the biggest baseball guy, so I'm not going to make the baseball reference here because there's a guy. Well, because it's a little bit more obscure, but you know who he's kind of like right now in terms of his energy level online because he's posting a lot of stuff. He is fired up online. Yeah, he, he's like it's JJ Watt like because JJ Watt goes out and gives you like a thing. And you go, I, this is why we love this guy because he's energetic about the team. He's so passionate about the team he plays for and wants to do it. Like Cam Atkinson is all in on this right now. Cam Atkinson has changed his social media. And by the way, did you see, did you see Kevin Hayes on Instagram at all on his Instagram stories? No. Okay, he made a post or he had a post. If there's no way in hell he did this himself because he has to know somebody who can help him with this because it was a Photoshop picture of him in a game and Cam Atkinson now in the in the '89 Flyers jersey, ready to go. Right. And like as if it was in a game and put something up about like some hype message. Right. Like that's funny. Whatever. That's in his story after Cam gets traded. Then Keith Yandel signs and he puts up a video and now it's the same thing. Here's another Photoshop picture. Now Keith Yandel's in a Flyers jersey. And by the way, he's got the right to keep the number he had in Florida. It is available. So if he wants it, go ahead and have it. Number three is available. It's not retired or anything. Go ahead and have it. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it, ironically, not the, the not the last guy to wear it because if you can believe it, do you know who the last flyer to wear that number is? No. Mark Friedman. Bye. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. All but, right. <laughs> but regardless, so he posts another thing, and it's funnier than the first one because because let's be real, it's Keith Yandel. I mean, the clip that the Flyers posted, I was ready to post the day that the whole thing came out because if nothing else. And look, whether you like them, hate them, whatever, I went and immediately after this news comes out and the signing was official. First, there was an NHL press conference style thing, if you will, where they just did a Q&A and it was, right. and it was all Boston guys. So it was Kevin Hayes is on there, Chris Kreider was on there, and Chris Wagner was on there. And they started off with like the guy who moderates these things like typically. And then they go, well, wait, we got somebody else in the call. And it was Keith Yandel. And, of course it was. And Hayes is rolling. Hayes is ready. And 
Yandel pops on the screen and Kevin Hayes just yells, my guy, like this is the atmosphere you're getting in the Flyers locker room next year. So get ready for it. But they also Chicklets did a sandbagger with the two of them playing golf together. They were on, they were the pairing against biz and wit and the stuff that they are saying to each other. Like it's crazy. I I watched it. Like whether I, cause I even told you, I don't listen to Chicklets often usually usually what makes me listen is if they get a good interview because the right. interview like interviews can be real good and in, good insightful stuff for a lot of stuff i go i went back and watched that for nothing more than just to sample the banter because i remember when it came out and it's like well it involves kevin hayes let me watch it because kevin hayes is funny we we know this now so i watched it for that alone just to go well, let me watch the banter between these two because this is what's to come now this is the room that you're gonna get and I'm excited for that because it's definitely well. Like if that's the type of room you're gonna get, I remember watching guys two years ago have an awful lot of fun with each well, other. That's, well, and that's, that's what you're gonna and that's what you're gonna get now. Yeah, you're gonna exactly. get a fun room and it's gonna be good. And and everybody seems like even if they're not the fun, like known to be the fun, like Yandel gets signed and Kevin Hayes is a fun guy and Yandel's a fun guy and Atkinson's a ball of energy, so he seems like a fun guy. Ryan Ellis didn't come across that way, but who knows what happens when you get around? Like he, he's doing a media call. How am I supposed to tell that from a media call? Right. I bet he's a gr- I bet he's a great time when he's out with the boys or whatever. I bet Risto. I bet Risto's a, a ball too because Risto kind of had like he came out and basically flat out said, you know, I just want to be a pain in the ass. You know, right. you know. Well, I, heard, like, I did hear about that. Like well. it's it's that like okay then bring that personality here and see if it changes some things. Let's see what happens. Martin Jones yeah. seemed like excited for a new beginning. Yeah, it sounds like everybody's excited. Kevin Hayes is excited. You're excited. I'm excited. And, and uh, I said, we'll talk in the future about like all that other stuff. I mean, I absolutely. I I, I don't want to go out on a limb. I assume that the next time we have a show in two weeks, I think there might be some somebody. I think what from that group of two will have a contract. I think that's probably fair. I think and, that we uh, will have a contract to talk about, but we'll, and then the rest of it will be, you know, we'll continue to ask the question based on these contracts: Can they do anything else beyond this? And we'll continue to look at the roster on paper and say what's better, what's worse, all that, blah blah blah. Absolutely, that's and that's, and that's, that's, sure aug- to, that's August for you. And make sure to tune in in two weeks for that show. You'll be able to find it anywhere you can find your podcast, just like you found this one: Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podbean, SportsTalkPhilly.com. You know where to find us by now. Uh, make sure to follow us over on YouTube if you're not already. Uh, at YWT Podcast on Twitter. Kevin is at Kevin underscore Derso. And uh, I think that's just about it for this week. In two weeks, maybe maybe we'll finally talk about the draft picks at length. <laughs> there's not much to talk about with that. No, I mean, there's not. Really, like, I, I left it up there just in case because we only had three signings to get to. But we no, really broke... You know what we did with these three signings that we didn't do with some of the other ones? And we did kind of with the other ones now, too, by doing this. Yeah. We now, we looked at everybody else. We said, how right. does this fit with everybody else? What what does Keith Yandel do for Cam York? What does Keith Yandel do for the bottom of the defensive groups? Martin Jones, how many games should he play? The bet is on Carter Hart. What do you do with, you know, Nate, all this. You know what I mean? Like Nate Thompson. Absolutely. Like, like we really looked at where it's going. And, and that's why I said I think the next conversation we have, if there's not a lot of news, Right. Is what it does to the special teams group because I think yep. the special teams is going to be very different. And it's going to be cool to see. So, all right, so come back in two weeks and watch us put all the rest of the pieces together and get a our first real good look at the 2021 right. 2022 Philadelphia Flyers. Know what else and we might talk then, about a little? Know what else we might talk about a little bit too? The schedule because we didn't really talk about the schedule. Oh, you're right. That's definitely a good one for next time. Before, and, uh, we're excited about these guys. We should really start getting excited about the schedule. Absolutely. So until then, two weeks from tonight, we'll be there. See ya. <laughs>